maybe a good place to start would be with some introductions. Yeah, I mean, your your initials first on on the show, so I don't think I'm having you. I think we're having each other. That's that sounds mega posy, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I guess uh, the N N will start. Um, Sounds good. So my name is Nick. I'm from San Diego. Um, I graduated with model from UCLA in 2019 as a human society major. Um, I graduated summa cum laude, and I'm an incoming first year um, at UCSF School of Medicine. Um, so yeah, I guess a lot of I guess the impetus for this channel was um, me and Michael were in the academic advancement program, and we led group discussions of chemistry for my end and I think Michael can touch upon his experiences in life sciences but um, I felt like we both um, shared a big passion beyond the chemistry and life sciences and like meeting one-on-one with students and I feel like especially given this pandemic this is a good platform for us to reach out and be of assistance and just share our perspective and what got us to where we're at Um, but yeah I'll leave you to it Michael yeah yeah thanks for that intro um yeah, I'll just talk a little bit about myself and then we can kind of dish off to whatever we're talking about today and, and, and onwards. But, um, I am Michael for whoever is going to be listening to this on audio. Um, I'm from Los Angeles, specifically Chinatown, California. Uh, and now I have moved to Pasadena, specifically Temple City. If we're getting down to the details, I also graduated summa cum laude, uh, from UCLA in 2019. I studied neuroscience and bio- biomedical research. And I am now a second year, which uh, sounds really, really interesting to say, but I'm a second year at UCLA's David Geffen School of Medicine. Um, and like Nick said, we, I think we first met, I don't know if we first met through AAP or, or the basketball courts or something of that sort, but, um, Nick taught chemistry and I taught, uh, life sciences, specifically biology. I'm not sure why we call it the life sciences, which is called biology. And, uh, like he said, we had our own experiences mentoring our groups of students. Um, for me, it was around like anywhere from 15 to 30. If it was a review session, like 50 plus students would show up. And I just really enjoyed those conversations, both about biology and life and the life sciences, but also about things that were outside of school, whether it was professionally related, um, things related to getting into medicine or, uh, generally academically related, like studying a little bit more effectively or uh, ways to keep focus or ways to start studying when you don't feel like it, or even things that were personal, like um, what our favorite spots in Westwood were or what we did with our free time. So I, uh, so it was, it was interesting to touch base with Nick and see that he had very similar experiences. So I think that there is a real need within communities like AAP and, and also within the student body as a whole to kind of like find not really mentors, but like friends really uh, that are just a bit older than you just have a little bit more experience with you to kind of guide you along your way and, and ensure that you're living your college years the best that you can. Um, I think we've been on both sides of the coin where people are, are doing really well. They got their, they got their stuff together uh, but we've also been on the other side of the coin where we see students who are just, they're still high performing, but they burn out out of their minds. They don't know, they don't know what to do next. And, uh, it's just very overwhelming. And then unfortunately we also see students who aren't doing so well. And obviously that takes a toll on their physical and mental health. So, um, this is kind of like a plea to all the students out there. 
that need help. I mean, help looks like help looks different in different contexts. So if you need help, regardless of whatever it is, uh, Nick and I have, have been through a variety of plethora of experiences. And, um, that's kind of the impetus of sort of starting this YouTube channel slash podcast slash website. It's just to help people, uh, live a more fulfilled, enriched college life. <clears throat> yeah. I didn't, yeah. I didn't really, I didn't really end that with a, with an avenue for you to <laughs> enter. So. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna get us into the to the topic of the day, um, which is one that a lot of students have kind of reached out to us personally um, to talk about, and it's it's this pandemic thing. So I know this like podcast won't be very seasonal. It'll be, I mean, it won't be very evergreen, but I think it's still an important thing to talk about. Uh, but before before we get into the nitty gritty, man, uh, the pandemic. How do you feel about it just in general without getting too political? How has it affected your life? That's a great question. Um, I mean, it's, it's definitely, I feel like impacted many, many different forms and it's not just me personally, but community wise. Um, it's really revealed, um, the ugliness of the United States and that's a whole nother YouTube podcast series for. Um, but I think personally, it's been a time to reflect and be able to, I don't know, take things in like holistically about, um, just like family and figure out how to spend and allocate my time. And I guess for me in my position as like, um, entering medical school, how do I want to spend my days? And the big stress relievers that were basketball and going to the gym and right. hanging out with friends have been transitioned to a new avenue. Um, right. so it's been interesting to kind of like reform or retransform my ways. Um, but yeah, what about you? Yeah. Yeah. Before we get to me, I'm actually kind of curious because you, I know you and I have very similar hobbies and, and we're trying to make do without like my park has literally taken down the rims of the basketball courts. So like, it's just a backboard and you can't, like you can't even fake play basketball. There's literally no rim. So I just want to ask like, how have you been substituting your, your favorite pastime? Yeah, um, I've been lucky. Uh, me and my father will go driving around the city and trying to find a rim on a hoop. Or um, they've been putting up these plastic bags, these trash bags over the rim so you can shoot in them. Um, but there will be a few that have gotten taken down, so you've gotten lucky. But um, when I'm not able to find that, I've just been going on a lot of runs. Um, it's like when I was back in L.A., just being able to run along uh, Santa Monica was beautiful. And then um, just exploring my city in different different streets I've never been on. So it's been a good experience to kind of reinvent and turn my head through that. What about you? Yeah. Yeah. I, I have been struggling um, because I personally abhor running. I think running is the worst type of exercise for me personally. I just, I don't know. My like joints hurt at the end of running. I can only run for like a quarter of a mile before my lungs give out. It's just, it's just not a good look for me. So I've been, uh, I've been into this calisthenics thing, um, with like backpacks and doing pushups and like doing, uh, handstand shoulder press, things of that sort. My friend has a couple of bands that we use. So that's been fun. Just kind of working out with body weight and, and like a pole or something like that. Um, the other day, actually my friend and I put, we like, 
we had a resistance band wrapped around either of us, right? And then I ran to the left and he ran to the right and it was just like a tug of war. And this is on video and I dominated him and it was, it was hilarious. I dominated him to the point that he like, he slipped on the grass and he was just on the floor begging for, for dear mercy as I was uh, just running to the left. So that was fun. It was good cardio and, and hit workout. And I think uh, COVID has, uh, for all the bad that it's done, it's also produced a lot of interesting, creative ways to continue to live the life that you want to. Um, so before I always thought that exercise would look like going to the gym or playing basketball, but if I could never do that again, I, I imagine I would adapt just fine. Um, things like that were kind of fun. So that's my experience with it, but I'm sure, uh, go ahead. I was going to say, I think the silver lining out of all of this is seeing how creative people can get just in general. From TikTok to people's workouts, it's uh, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting phenomenon too. This TikTok thing, it's blowing up over um, quarantine, and and the workouts on there are actually not bad. There's this one like Korean dude who always shows up on my feet, and he's ridiculous. He's doing like like Superman clap push-ups. I just didn't didn't know that was possible. But anyway, I didn't even know that was a thing. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I'm sure our listeners would love to hear about our lives, but I think they've popped in to just get a sense of how um, COVID has impacted their academic journeys and how they can and how they can take advantage of, uh, of of the pandemic and this time at home. I'm sure there's a lot of worries that are shared amongst uh, amongst students. So why don't why don't we actually just bring up the worries first, and then we can kind of address. Um, what we think our possible solutions are. So let's say you are a, a sophomore or a freshman. You're not applying to medical school, but you're pretty gung-ho about it. What are you worried about right now? I think if I was in that position, um, I'd definitely be split into two categories. So one, one's people that are applying and two, not applying. And this is in this situation, they're not applying. I think maybe more viewers or if me maybe lining up like an internship with whether that's research or volunteering somewhere um, or trying to get more clinical hours or just being in a hospital setting um, that's been canceled and so I feel like for me one of my biggest concerns would be you know how do I how do I spend that time what should I do in the meantime now that I can't be in person um, so I think for me like one of my biggest concerns is how can I one, to make an impact with my internship, like, but I can't. Um, so what can I do in the meantime? Or two, maybe, um, I'd be worried about, you know, maybe I need to get my grades up and how can I do that now that, um, you know, my classes are virtual, but I'm very much so an in-person learner. Um, so I don't know. Well, what do you think would be like a solution for, you know, this person facing this issue? Yeah. Yeah. Those are two good things. And I actually did not think about the person who, would love learning in person, but now has to face learning in a remote um, environment. My sister is an incoming sophomore and she just finished up her, her spring quarter last week. And um, I've been noticing that in her zoom calls, like, I, I mean, I don't, I don't see how she learns in person, but in her zoom calls, like it's so easy for people to check out. Um, 
everyone has their video cameras off. My sister is, is like on her phone also in zoom. And I remember, I mean, I'm sure you remember too, like being in those lectures, not everyone is focused, but I feel like there's a different level for sure. If you're like on your bed or on your kitchen table next to your TV, it's just so easy to not be able to separate, uh, school from home. So I think that's a big issue. And I'll, I'll, I'll walk through a couple of things that I think, uh, can help with that. And then the other thing you mentioned was, uh, the people whose extracurriculars got canceled. Um, and I think that that's just to add on to that worry. Another thing that a lot of students, um, have issue with is, is there's a select group of students who are studying abroad that got canceled. Um, there's students who had research internships like at the NIH that got canceled. So anything that's like fully summer research study abroad, um, what else do people entertain in the summer? Um, shadowing is a big thing that people do in the summer. So like that's been canceled. Um, and I guess before I, I think I, I share my thoughts, I wanted to ask what, what do you, what did you usually, or what did you do during your summers? Um, I know you had one going into freshman year, going into sophomore, junior, and then senior year. So there's four summers there. And I imagine that you probably did a bunch of different things and I'll share what I did. Yeah, I think, well, first one summer and I'd recommend this, um, if you're planning to take a gap years, I dedicated it to the MCAT. Um, and we can go into that later, but that was one summer. And then the other two summers I had, not including this one, um, I perform research in my research lab and I also try to spend time working. Um, I definitely wish I would have had, I, w- I wish I could like spent it, uh, maybe one of the summers differently instead of doing research. Like I feel like what maybe could have been like a great experience was, um, what if I like went abroad and studied there and picked up another language I felt like would have been a really cool skill or, um, maybe done a, an internship like somewhere across the country and learned a different side of life. Um, but yeah, that's how I spent my summers, um, just researching. I'm curious to, to what you did over the summer. Yeah. Yeah. So the summer going into my freshman year, I didn't do anything related to medicine at all. I went to Vietnam with my family. Um, and that was for the entirety of the summer, the summer after my freshman year, I studied abroad in um, Scotland, Glasgow, Scotland. So I finished the physics series and I didn't do anything else, um, that summer. And the summer going into my junior year, I studied and took the MCAT. And the only thing I did other than that was, um, I did youth basketball coaching on Saturdays and then I took Spanish three at community college. Uh, and then the summer going into my senior year, I, did some hospice work in San Diego and then I applied to medical school. So really, man, and I'm looking at your summers as well as my summers. I know you you were talking about some, some research things, but I think the interesting thing to latch onto there is that you mentioned that you were, you probably would have done it differently. Like you, you think that um, going abroad to learn a different language or to be immersed in that culture would have been interesting. So I think the, the theme that I'm getting here is that, and if you look at my summers as well, not many summers other than the summer studying for the MCAT is that pivotal to your application. I think a lot of the heavy lifting happens during the school year. Um, 
and I mean, even you said it yourself, like if you took away one summer that you worked on research, you would have gladly have gone abroad to immerse yourself in a culture. Also something that's completely, uh, not completely irrelevant, but not specific, like people wouldn't think of that as a medically related summer. So what, what do you think about that statement? No, I actually agree with that in a couple of volumes. I think for me, I use the summer to help recharge and repair. And, you know, I would spend like eight weeks researching and then the next four weeks before school starting, being at home, spending time to recover with family. But yeah, I think you hit like a point. The summer isn't like pivotal or it's not like a make or break. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to make a big impact in, I don't know, 10 or so weeks. Um, and so I felt like maybe 10 weeks could be spent instead of trying to like, you know, come up with a nature publication or something like that, which right. is almost very difficult to make a big impact in, in research or some other field. Um, I felt like could be used like, like when learning a new skill and I feel like maybe a summer could be spent, you know, maybe in Spain or in Latin America learning Spanish or maybe um, just learning some different aspect or different culture would be, be great. Um, but yeah, I think that's just my perspective. I were to do it differently. I, my parents didn't teach me Spanish and I've been self-taught, but I felt like a lot of that experience of learning and I feel like I'm at a good level where I can translate, but being fully immersed would be amazing. Um, so if I were to redo it today, again, I would love to partake in one, something like that. Right. Right. So I think it's actually interesting because uh, you and I and a lot of other colleagues that I've, that I, uh, like in my medical school class also express the same sentiment where summer was just a time for recharging. But all of a sudden, now that COVID has become a thing, I think a lot of students are just like, man, I'm like not using my summer months correctly. I had, like, I, I, I was planning on shadowing. I was planning on doing this research internship. I was planning on doing XYZ, but because of COVID, it's all busted and I'm all stressed out. And I think it's interesting. I think it makes sense because everyone's at home and they feel like they have to do something. Whereas if uh, you're kind of like back at UCLA in the summer, you're with your friends, you don't feel bad at all. Just going to the beach and, and hanging out, but you feel bad when you're at home and that's taken away from you. So, so I think the, the overall sentiments is that like, yeah, man, you don't have to be doing that much this summer. In fact, I think you should be, figuring out ways not to improve your medical school application, but to relax and recharge because the next school year is going to be a doozy. Yeah, uh, I 100% agree. I think using that time to recharge should be critical. Um, I mean, if, I mean, I think you, you spent a summer studying for them, Kat, and so did I. And I think if you're at that stage, I think now would be a good time to attack. Um, I think considering, you know, the MCAT is shorter now. <laughs> Um, relatively shorter. I mean, it's not completely like cut in half, but I think now would be a good time to act considering there's not much else you could do outside. So if you're still debating, I feel like you could get a solid two to three months in, um, right. be able to prepare in that aspect. But, right. um, I, I do think there's other things you can do in the meantime. Um, I, I don't think every impact you have to make has to be in person and, just think off the top of my head, some activities that you could engage in if you're looking, you know, your person. Like for me, I feel like I can't st sit still, um, you know, learning that language. Or for me, I felt like tutoring 
tutoring is a great way to make an impact and right. um you know there's always a clientele or someone someone's always studying for the sat or act right. um so there's aspect to it you can impact in that way and i also want to stress this that you know i feel like med schools and ad comms will understand that you know you can't do stuff in person i think they'd rather you be socially distanced than try to be a hero and then end up spreading you know the COVID around um right. i do think there's other ways you can make an impact social distancing and um actually just apply today you can be a contact tracer and they're oh, recruiting that? for that heavily right now oh, yeah. so contact tracing is um say for example an individual gets covid and they just get tested so what they do is they track down all the people that they've been in contact with right. they trace the contact um yeah. so that involves the contact tracer we'll, we'll call the people they've been in um in contact with the person that was infected just uh, try to run through symptoms and see see if i get tested hey it's a, it's a paid position i feel like it'd be a good way to make an impact you know they should really have contact tracers for things like stds i feel like that would be a very high impact thing to do especially <laughs> on college campuses i feel like I've i've been in those clinics and and it's so sad but when when someone tests positive for an std like the first question is always, the first question on their mind is always like, damn, like who could I have gotten it from? And that's so sad. I think contact tracing would really, really help those people. But that's interesting, this, this contact tracing for COVID. I'm sure they have it for STDs, especially on college campuses, but I'm not sure if they use it that often. But that's a good option. Um, where can, where, where can people like find out or, or get started with that? Yeah. Um, I think there's a website. Have to type it up. I typed it in earlier today, but it's a 23 question application and uh, it takes about five minutes. But they basically ask you your background. You just need to have a high school degree and um, they ask you if you want to work full time or part time or volunteer or paid. Um, I know they're looking for contact tracers in like major city areas. And I think the great thing is you know, it's a re- remote position, so you can theoretically work wherever you want. That is super interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I also did some, um, digging just to kind of help out the student who is, is really sure about doing something other than relaxing this summer for a couple of uh, opportunities. And so, um, I have a list of them that, that I kind of want to share too. And I think some of them you'll find kind of interesting, uh, in case you are a student in this position that, wants to do something remote, uh, just to kind of bolster your application. Although I know like Nick and I have made it explicitly clear now that like, it's not the most important thing if you don't do anything this summer other than relax, um, and recharge. So, uh, I'll just start with that list. So, uh, the first one, and this is courtesy of, of one of my friends on Instagram actually is an Australian medical student. His name is MD motivator. I think some people might recognize him on Instagram, on TikTok. He has kind of an interesting following and now I, I, I like his work a lot, but the first one is this uh, website called bemyeyes.com. I think it's really interesting. Uh, so volunteers or sighted volunteers, people who can see, uh, connect over this app that be my eyes has developed and it connects you with blind people. And so you guys, you get, you have this kind of like live video call thing and when blind people need to go about somewhere, um, you are like their sighted remote volunteer. I think it's kind of interesting. So if they're like in their house and they can't find, 
their pan or something, like you can guide them, you know. Although I don't think blind people should be cooking, but I think it's an interesting idea. Um, second one is this thing called chemoangels.com. Uh, there's, there's a, there's many variations of this and I'm glad that they kind of moved this online because I think it's a good platform for this, but people who undergo chemo often feel, uh, very lonely and chemo angels gets you to volunteer to, to, to be someone, someone's buddy is, is what they call it. And, uh, you support them through their journey with cards, uplifting messages, supportive words, and a lot of positive energy. That's just taken straight from their website. I think that's an interesting way to, to help out. Volunteermatch.org is just like the Google search engine just for volunteering positions. Um, so you can type in your city and you can look for volunteer postings that are local to you. Um, UNV.org is from the UN, the United Nations. And they need a lot of help in third world countries. I just browsed through their volunteer list and it's really, really abundant. And it's everything from things like an amateur graphic designer to a web designer to someone, uh, to a public health officer. And it's in, in disparate third world countries that really need help. So it'd be a good way to make a remote impact. Uh, an interesting one also, uh, my last two interesting ones are kind of similar. It's a crisistextline.org and sevencups.org. They both offer support, the former for like crisis situations, like when you just kind of need someone to talk to and you're, you're at the end of your line. So you can volunteer to text or call those people. And then seven cups offers free emotional support. If you're going through something like a big life event, um, or you just need someone to help talk through your emotions during this time or you're going, unfortunately, I know domestic abuse rates have been going through the roof because everyone's kind of at home, unfortunately. So like people like that would kind of find that useful and, and that's a place where people are needed. So I think a lot of, I get a lot of emails. It's just like, I can't go to clinic. I can't uh, serve the homeless population that I, that I do every Wednesday. Um, I can't do X, Y, Z anymore in person. I don't know how to help, but man, like I found this in, in 15 minutes probably. So just, uh, looking up volunteer opportunities and even if it's not medically related, uh, just finding a, a space where you think you can help and you want to help and, uh, a platform where they need your help is that's all you need to do. If you're really looking for, for something to do this summer. So if you had to pick one out of the list, you mentioned what one, which one would you pick? Yeah, I really like this chemo angels thing. Um, one of my good friends did this, but it was like an in-person thing with patients from UCSF. I'm sure you, you may, you may hear about it because I know UCSF medical students do it. Um, so they like sent handwritten letters to each other, uh, every month or so. And then at the end of like the year or something like that, they had this like banquets or, or, uh, meeting up in SF and they would all hang out and meet their buddies for the first time. But I would personally do chemo angels because, um, I've met a lot of patients, chemotherapy or not, and they really are so lonely, man. So like just FaceTiming them and just like treating them like your friend. Um, and honestly, I, you would do more for this person than I would do for a friend. Like I don't write cards to my friends and I don't text or FaceTime these people every week, but, uh, these patients really need that. And I think that uh, that would be just an enjoyable way to meet another person, understand uh, the patient experience a little bit more, understand who you're, who you're going to try to serve in your future career. 
uh, and it's just a very, very well needed spot. Yeah, most definitely. I think that's a it's a beautiful organization. I think that's a powerful impact you can make. Um, yeah. So yeah, thank thank you for looking that up. And I was mostly intrigued by the "Be My Eyes" or "Be Your Eyes." Yeah, "Be My Eyes." Uh, eyes. Yeah. Maybe super cool. Yeah, I don't um, know exactly yeah. how it works, but uh, I think it's interesting. Yeah. Apparently, they yeah. have four million volunteers in 150 150 countries serving 200,000 blind people. So it's interesting. But um, just on the other side of the token, you know, we have the people that are not applying or far further away from applying. But what if, uh, you know, I'm a person applying right now. How should I be uh, spending my time at this stage in the cycle? Yeah. So as of this recording, I think it's June 10th. Yeah, it's June 10th. Um, so if you are applying this cycle, more than likely, uh, you have already submitted your primaries. Yes, because they were open in May. Yes. It's okay. It's okay if you haven't submitted your primaries because they get transmitted in July. But you're probably working on your personal statement or working activity section right now. And I think if you were applying this cycle, nothing would really change. Like if I'm, I'm just trying to remember my experience applying and I remember being in San Diego, far away from home, just basically working out of Starbucks, uh, every day. And so like if COVID happened that summer, I think my experience applying would be very similar with a couple of exceptions. I think there are some applicants who are still, while concurrently applying, they may be also studying for the MCAT. That's uh, population A. And then population B are people who are also doing extracurriculars or like patching up the last couple of hours they need to apply. And by that, I mean like the people who haven't shadowed, but we're looking to shadow this summer or um, the people who haven't done research, but they have a research internship this summer. Uh, for me, if I really needed hospice to like make or break my application, like my hospice would have been canceled. Um, certainly because it was mostly out of nursing homes. So for those two people, let's talk about the MCAT people for the MCAT people. It's completely up in the air. I know California, uh, MCAT's dates have just been canceled left and right. And so because it's out of your control, I would 100% recommend people to just stay up to date with it. Like on a day to day basis, don't do any other freaking out because you can't do anything else. I know some students have expressed a desire to like fly to Arizona just to take the MCAT exam like a week earlier. And I just think that's so excessive. If your MCAT comes back a week later, like it's not going to make or break anything. Medical schools know that MCATs dates are canceled and, um, the foundations of medical school admissions are still staying the same. Uh, just that schools know that you may or may not have an MCAT score and that's completely fine. So just take it when you're ready for it and when it's available. I know obviously if you wanted to take it June 10th today, but um, it's not going to be actually offered until July 10th. Yeah. You'll have to keep your knowledge for a little bit longer, but again, like so will everyone else. And the MCAT is, scored on uh scored based on how you're doing relative to your peers so there's the, like everyone's in the same boat basically you're not gonna you're not gonna win or lose during this quarantine when it comes to the mcat 
So I wouldn't worry too much about it. Um, as for your extracurriculars, yeah, I think you're going to have to be a little bit more uh, creative when it comes to getting some hours, especially if you need research or shadowing or things like that that are kind of like baseline, quote unquote, required. Um, for research, there's plenty of opportunities right now. People are uh, writing their manuscripts. They need data processed, and all, a lot of that is remote. So reaching out to your professors, your PIs, and um, cl even clinicians that kind of need support during this time uh, would help would, would help you like patch up that end. And then clinical experience or shadowing, I think it's also going to be kind of treated the same way um, the MCAT is. Schools understand that you're trying to get those hours, but you can't right now because of the state of things. Um, but again, I think this is a really small population of applicants. These applicants who are trying to do everything as they are applying, uh, I think it's pretty rare. Usually you kind of have your application ready and you're just putting the finishing touches and, and the frosting on top of the cake uh, as you're applying. Um, and if you don't have the frosting, completely fine, right? You still have the basis and the fundamentals of medical school admissions and um, applying, I think, will be relatively normal, COVID or non-COVID. What do you think? Yeah, no, I agree with you on all fronts. I think uh, medical schools will for sure, I think, or maybe not 100% for sure, but I think a great majority of them will be very understanding um, that if you don't have, like, as many clinical hours as you wanted to or research hours and whatnot, just given the situation. I think being able to adapt, like you said, and find those like research projects and there's something always going on and maybe reach out to your professors or um, anyone you can get your hands on. There's always some data that needs to be crunched or literature that needs to be reviewed. Um, but yeah, clinical hours is a little bit tough. I know if you've had a scribe position or you've been trained as that, some have gone to virtual scribing, but I don't know. Oh, wow. It's possible to, to become a scribe and be virtually trained. I don't know the feasibility of that. Um, but yeah, I think it's something that, you know, given the circumstances, you have to understand. Um, but yeah, going to the population, um, you know, at this time point, um, do you think the applicants should prepare for a secondary about, um, you know, what have they used their COVID hours on? Or how has COVID impacted you? Do you think that's a potential question that's going to come up this year? Yeah, yeah. That's actually a really good foresight. Um, I didn't think about that, but I think in come July, I'm pretty confident if there's no explicit question, I'm pretty confident most schools will not make it mandatory. There will be a couple schools that do, I'm sure. But I'm pretty confident that they will incorporate it into their optional prompt. Uh, most schools have a prompt that's like, do you have anything else to tell us? And I'm sure in this year, they'll probably add an addendum that says, do you have anything else to tell us? Um, your experience or how COVID has impacted your life this summer uh, belongs here or something like that. So I'm sure that'll be a space for people to elaborate on how COVID has changed um, their application cycle. But honestly, and I, I mean, I don't want to speak for all students. Every student has their own circumstances and situation. But really, I just remember like while I was applying to medical school, there was not much bandwidth to do much else. And so if you are applying right now, I don't imagine that um, COVID could have drastically changed 
your, uh, your, your like application cycle experience. I think this question might be relevant in the coming cycles when people had their internships canceled or their study abroad canceled and they had to reshuffle their, their school schedule, but couldn't get the classes that, um, they needed, right? Like, I think this has longer term consequences. It just feels eminent. So it's relevant now, but I imagine the consequences in the future are going to be larger than we think. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, but I think, you know, in this situation, got to adapt and roll with the punches and, you know, overcome. And I feel like for those, um, like you said, at least when I was applying last year, I feel like this period in time of, you know, is probably when you submit the primary and just getting rid of the secondaries, I don't think much has changed. I still remember waking up at like 5 a.m. every day trying to write for a couple hours, go to work, work and work around three or four and then write some more. Um, yeah, it wasn't a big time to spend, you know, a lot of time with friends or be able to take on a lot of extracurriculars. It was mainly just writing down, grinding down. And yeah, I think my doc applied to like 29 schools. My doc was over 150 pages of just writing and and scratch work. Um, but yeah. 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 So I think that, yeah, I, I think that a lot of people are worrying about the pandemic, but I think that, um, people will realize that this is something that passes and doesn't have the biggest implications on your application. Um, especially if you're applying now and also if you are applying in, in the coming years, uh, I think it's an important time for people to kind of look to the future, have some foresight like you did with the secondary question and just think like, hmm, um, is there anything that is going to change in the future that I need to account for? And I kind of mentioned it earlier, but one thing that a couple of students of mine um, have mentioned is that, uh, is that they, uh, lost out on classes like that they normally were and enro- would have enrolled in. Um, so I, I just bring up the study abroad example because that's top of mind. But those students need to figure out ways to either take summer classes to make up for those courses or rearrange their planned schedules to make sure that, um, everything is set and ready. And this goes on for things also like the MCAT. Uh, if your MCAT plans got kind of mucked about for some reason just imagine yourself going through 2021 um what has changed what do you need to prepare for what backup systems do you kind of need to boot in place so that um you're ready uh and the last thing i think before we wrap up uh that's something that's interesting for students that are graduated and they're looking for uh internships or not internships but like jobs while they're while they're in their gap years um one thing that has been really interesting and like my partner has been really struggling with this as well is that uh, finding jobs is really difficult the job market is kind of interesting right now because i think there's a lot of physicians and hospitals and stuff like that that are they have a hiring freeze even though um, internally they know like come september and i'm gonna need new ma's i'm gonna need new scribes but Right now, like I can't hire because everything's kind of frozen. I don't know when everything's going to start. 
uh, and I'm like losing thousands of dollars by the minute. I can't afford to hire someone right now. And then on the, on the interest, on the other side of things, students who have just graduated are just like, dude, like when this is all over, I won't have a job. Um, I can't apply for anything because nothing is open right now. I don't know who's looking. So I think that's an interesting paradox. And one thing that I would encourage people in that situation to do is to just, just honestly, just reach out, reach out to these companies, reach out to these clinics um, and connect with them because whenever this is over, whether it's September, October, December, whatever, uh, those jobs are still going to be needed and someone needs to fill it. So if you have the time and the bandwidth now to connect with those people to like build a relationship now, like the best thing you can do is, yeah, I mean, uh, I would love to help out in your clinic, Dr. Savayos. Dr. Savayos goes, I have no Yeah. I mean, I would love to have you. We need, we have, we need have that need, but we just don't know when things are going to open up. And then you just go, yeah, okay. Well, no worries. Whenever it does open up, let me know and I'll, I'll be right in, you know, like to secure that before, um, the, the scramble happens when things start opening up. So that's a, that's my last thought on, on the quarantine and the effects on medical school kiddos. Do you have anything yeah. else to add? Uh, I think you summed it up perfectly. I think, you know, ideally this is eventually going to end and, you know, those positions, those jobs will be needed when everything opens back up. And I think being able to plan ahead is key in this situation. Or that's like you applying to future internships, maybe you want to study abroad next summer or the following quarter, whatnot after that, um, being able to plan ahead. And it's hard with a lot of uncertainty, but I think you still have the opportunity to create those connections. Um, so yeah, with that, yeah, that's my final thought. I mean, stroll with the punches and it's an unprecedented time for everyone and yeah, everyone's going through it. So. Just gotta right. adapt and overcome. Right. So hang in there, guys. If you ever need anything, uh, well, first of all, we'll, we'll wrap up. Um, if there are any other specific questions you have on this topic, feel free to contact us. Um, I'll leave our contacts in the description as well as all the links to the extracurriculars that we mentioned earlier on in the show in the description box. Um, yeah. Other than that, uh, like Nick said, it's unprecedented time, but we're all going through it. We're all kind of together with this. Um, you have your own circumstances, but we also have our own variety of, of solutions to kind of pitch to you and see what will work. So if you ever are uh, in, in the position where you want to ask those questions, have zero threshold, um, have no hesitation to reach out to either of us or both of us, we'll probably at some point have a way to contact both of us like at the same time. Uh, but for now, just feel free to just message us individually and uh, we'll, we'll see what we can do. All right. Well, Nick, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for spending Wednesday night with me. Um, I'm hoping this helps some people who are kind of paralyzed by COVID. Uh, but if that's all, then I will see you next Wednesday. Sounds good to me. Can't wait for the next topic. Well, see you soon. Man.